You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello, and welcome to episode number 26 of Self-Publishing Journeys for Monday, the 29th of August, 2016. My guest today is Peter O'Connor, the book cover designer who created all three covers for my Secret Bunker trilogy. Peter runs his business via the website bespokebookcovers.com. If you go to look at the website, I don't think that I've ever seen such a compelling collection of audio testimonials praising Peter's work and his support throughout the design process. I've experienced it firsthand, and indeed I left Peter a testimonial myself, so I was very happy to get the opportunity to see what goes on behind the scenes when he creates a new book cover. When I spoke to Peter, I began by asking how his career path had led to him designing book covers. Well, it, it seemed to be a, a long path uh, getting here. It's, uh, oh, you know, I'm 44 now. I don't look 44 on the on the website, though, so that's a, a good thing. You um, absolutely don't <laughs> look 44. <laughs> um, I started in product design um, in Ireland, uh, where I'm from, Dublin. And uh, when I moved to the UK, I, I worked in a company where I designed uh, packaging and graphics and products for high street uh, retail stores. So that's kind of a, a good thing really now in the work that I do because um, I help authors produce uh, commercially minded um, book covers. So, you know, I have that kind of in the back of my mind all the time to help their book sell. Um, and then I transitioned into book cover design when a friend of mine asked me to uh, create a book cover. And then I really started from there. But you went from being employed, presumably, as an employee, to being self-employed. What made you take? What made you take that leap? Because it is quite a jump for people, isn't it? It is a jump. Uh, I um, I have a brother who is always into business, but never did his own business, and he always, you know, advised me. And he kept saying, "Oh, why don't you do your own business?" And I remember watching a television program years ago with him. Um, about a guy who advised people to go into business, and he was saying, "Oh." how hard it could it be type of thing. So um, I just thought, well, this was an ideal vehicle f- for me because, you know, I'm good at design already. And um, I thought, let's, you know, give it a go and let's see if, um, you know, if there's a market out there for, for this type of thing. So it was just really started with one and, and built up like that. And then I got a, a reputation and people started recommending me and, um you know, authors tend to talk to other authors, and I think if they've had a good experience with somebody, they say, hey, I know you should go with this guy, Peter, because I worked with him, and he always came back to me quickly, and, you know, he listened to what I have to, had to say, and he made changes, and, um, you know, I, my whole philosophy is if I can do as, as good a job as possible for that person, kind of meet them halfway and to try to get into their head about what they actually what their book's about without reading it because I can't really read every book. Um, then, you know, if I can do a great job for them, they'll be so happy. You know, they'll speak to other author friends and everything will grow through recommendation. And that's really what happened. You know, just keep your head down and, and do good work. I've never yet seen 
a book cover designing site with as many testimonials as yours have. It's absolutely incredible. And interestingly, <laughs> it was the thing that convinced me to use you for my secret bunker covers because you've got so many testimonials. And I say I've never seen anything like it on, on a site before. Um, that, that really, it kind of, the deal was done. Uh, you can see that you get a good job done when you come to you. How have you managed to get those? Because testimonials are a devil to get most of the time. Um, I, it's very simple. I just ask. It's, it's, I, heard a, <laughs> I heard something from somebody or I read a book where somebody said, um, if you want to, uh, you know, have, um, have people trust you, you know, and trust your service, and particularly online where people don't know who you are, it's hard to, you know, speak to them directly. You're not in the same room as them. Um, how are they going to do that? I mean, you can say anything you want to say about your own service, but if you get a testimonial from somebody else saying it, uh, it's much more believable. So what I did is I just asked every single person who I uh, work with, I say, would you mind giving me a testimonial? Would you mind um, saying a few words or recording a few words? Um, and can I put them onto the website? And I asked them for a photograph as well. And some people say, some people say, um, yes, you can use a photograph. Some people don't want to use a photograph. And they just say, you know, can I just put my words? Um, but most people say yes, because they've had a good experience. So, and then I, I just put their words exactly as they, as they email them to me on the site. And, and, and that's it. So it's just one after another. And it, and it builds up over time because when you, you're designing every day, you know, five days a week, it's, um, you know, you start to get up to big numbers then. And uh, I actually have a lot more testimonials that I haven't had a chance to actually put on the site yet, like built up. And uh, because I've been so busy, I haven't had a chance to actually go back in and add some more. But I think there's probably enough on there, like you say already. So <laughs> It is quite remarkable. and I'm, I'm happy to say that I was delighted to give you a testimonial too, because I had an excellent experience when you did my covers. And it's that that I want to dig into uh, today because mm. when when I when I discovered you, I was a brand new author. I'd never self-published before, and I was a self-published author, not a traditionally published mm. author. And I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. I didn't know who to go to. I didn't know what the kind of right price was. I just really hadn't got a clue. And I did what I guess most authors do, which is have a search online. And your site came up. Um, you'll be pleased to hear. Mm. And because you've got the testimonials and you have lots of examples of your work on the website. Mm. I looked at it and said, well, that's great. You know, that, uh, and what struck me about your site is the range of work that you do, because you've got examples of thrillers. Uh, we've, we've probably got some horror in there. So you've got fiction, mm. nonfiction. You really deal with the range. Don't, that's quite tricky, isn't it? Um, it? It is. It's really trying to get as much information. Like the process would be try to get as much information out of the author as possible. So what I do is I ask them, um, for the genre, uh, synopsis of the book. Um, I ask them if they have any ideas. Some people have ideas, some people don't have ideas. Um, and I really try to get a feel for, you know, through a few emails back and forward about what their approach is and kind of what they want. And um, and then go for them from there, really. And then it's just experience. It's if somebody wants something, you know, very dark or very arty, kind of I can do that. I kind of know all the different genres you know by now so um it, it's just going from there and and it depends on whether the person is you know if they if they don't know anything i'll try to guide them through a little bit you know through the process if they say you know i don't know anything about uh you know how i'm going to get my my book 
established, I, I will give them, you know, little pointers here and there and just to try to help them out. Um, because it's kind of not just about the cover. Really, the cover should be seen, seen as part of the whole thing. So the whole book and the, the message that people want to get out there and the cover, you know, I think it's one of the most important things aside from the writing itself because it's what telegraphs the book to, you know, the prospective um, reader first so it's the very first thing they see before almost before they read the title um you know bang they get a feeling from uh, the cover and the emotion that that conveys and then they say oh oh yeah maybe i'll look at uh, you know at this book and what's the title and maybe they if it's online they might look on the look inside section on amazon and then before you know they bought the book and it's really that it's getting them to be interested in the book you know in the the first place and, and that's what the, a good cover design does i think that when i came to you i got a pretty good idea of the sort of cover that i wanted but i have zero design skills whatsoever and a lot of the time th- this must be a, a presenter problem for you when people really haven't got a clue and perhaps they're they want the wrong thing for the cover is that ever a problem for you um sometimes it can be it's, it's kind of like trying to tease out um you know something from somebody that they don't they they don't know how to explain themselves so they you know it's like people say you know what you know when you see it uh, or you know what you like when you see it but you don't know how to describe it beforehand you know um it's like people with a you know brand new car a beautiful design of a car you know if you see it you say, oh i like that car but could you have sat down and designed that car for yourself before you saw it uh, you know probably not so um, sometimes it's hard for authors who, who think in words to describe what they want uh, on their their book cover, and and really it's um, you know that's part of the process is working with somebody to tease that out. And how helpful is it for you as a designer if I send you pictures of covers that I like, the sort of look and feel that I'm after? Does that help you get to the right place quicker? Yeah, it definitely does. It's, um, you know, if somebody uh, says, I definitely don't like this type of cover and, uh, you know, wouldn't be in keeping with my, you know, the contents of my book, but I really like these type of covers, if they can give a few covers that they kind of like and the reasons why they like them and why they think they would be, uh, you know, appropriate to do uh, go along that path for their book um, that's helpful because it narrows it down a little bit and sometimes people send I, I often get authors send the same covers to me lots of different authors will send the same covers and mainly because they're not necessarily good covers but because they're a well-known book so uh, you know like a couple of years ago everybody was sending 50 shades of gray you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like well it's not necessarily necessarily a great design it's just so well known that people kind of imagine that it's a great design but it's not necessarily great you know for their story so um sometimes i'll take what they what they say and what they describe and what their what their likes and dislikes are and then i'll kind of try to politely you know ignore some bits of it and use my instinct to go to kind of pull them another way because then if you give people exactly what they want, sometimes they're disappointed. Whereas if, you know, it's my job to say, I know what you want, but I can do a better job for you. You know, it's like somebody, it's like you 
saying to an architect, I want this type of a house, and the architect actually does a better version of what you thought, you know, you're even more pleased. And that's what I kind of aim to do. I don't want to just do exactly what the person wants because sometimes they don't know, you know, the best route. You know what I mean? It's like you, it's like you're going to a doctor. You don't necessarily know, you know, the best thing for you. You know, the doctor has to prescribe that, in some, you know, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I, I remember when I, I got my first cover back for The Secret Bunker, I'd read a testimonial on your site about somebody saying, oh, it was like Peter read my mind. It was something like that. And I remember looking at my cover thinking, it's like you read the book, for goodness sake. You can't possibly have read the book to have got that <laughs> mood and that feel right. You know, the, the font was low. I love, I love the font. I was looking at it again today, actually, thinking I love that font still on The Secret Bunker. The, the, the sort of dominant branding that you've gone for across the yeah. trilogy. I still I love that. It's just so, it works so well. And it works so well on Amazon, um, but I mean, clearly you you can't read all of the books. Do you ever flick through them? How do you get that that feel, and how do you get the mood so quickly? Because you've certainly got a skill for it. Um, it's it's really over asking the right questions. Like I said, I ask those questions, and I ask them about uh, the genre and and for a short synopsis. Um, if they can give me kind of an outline of of the book that I can get my head around um, is usually sufficient. Um, it would be kind of impractical to, be, to read every single book because I wouldn't, just wouldn't have time to, to design if I was reading you know, every, all the books every day. So synopsis is usually enough. And the thing also is I think a lot of authors, they know their stories so well that they kind of know too much information uh, about their, you know, about their book um it's like when a a chef knows how to uh, eat or how to make any dish in the world often they'll go home and they'll just have beans on toast because because <laughs> it's you know it's kind of their depth of knowledge is too much you know and uh, it's the same with authors really is uh, almost knowing too much about the book themselves it's kind of hard for them to pinpoint well what will i actually put on the cover you know which part of the book should i concentrate to put on the cover and this is one of the mistakes that people try to do is that they try to put a scene from the book on the cover or they try to represent everything about their story on the cover which is impractical really because it's such a small space particularly online you have such a tiny space in the thumbnail to to you know to punch that message home to the person who's looking at it and often they're browsing on amazon for a split second so you really have to you know, grab them straight away and and tell them this is what this book is about, you know, emotion-wise. This is the kind of feeling the book, you know, will give you without going into all the detail on the cover. Actually putting too much detail, it goes against, you know, good book cover design. Okay, so let's dig into book cover design. When you've got an idea of the look and feel, an idea of what you're looking for, where where do you start with the cover? Is it with the words or, or the pictures first? Um, I don't know. It's it's like when people say uh, to a, a musician, do you come up with the melody or the words? And sometimes it's a bit of both, really. It's starting with, um, you know, a blank sheet of paper. And it's usually I start with the size that uh, the person wants. So if it's five by eight or six by nine, I'll start with that. So I'll literally put in a blank sheet with a spine and then I'll put their name and the title in just basic font on that blank sheet. And then and I'll start to, you know, color things in. I'll color in backgrounds. Um, you know, if I feel if it's a, if it's something, you know, motivational, maybe you could do it in blue. 
blue if it's uh, fiery or you know it's a fiery book you know you could go more towards reds um you know if it's very dark you could go to black or, or navy blue so your color selection depends on what you've read in the synopsis and then um you can start building up uh, layers of of images and, and coloring those in and you can um change the the balance of the colors in in photoshop and merge them all together and and then you're talking about layout then so you're trying to get the best the most pleasing layout and there's so many little kind of layers and tricks and and little lighting touches that will kind of make a, a cover pop by the time you're finished and it's just building it up and building it up and sometimes on photoshop i will have i mean if people are not familiar with Photoshop, it all works in layers. So you can have the layers are like sheets of paper on top of each other. And you can turn off different layers to expose ones underneath or, or have them in different orders. So you might have a text layer and different image layers and effects and all sorts of things. So it's building them up. And sometimes a book cover will have like 50 different layers. So there's quite a lot, you know, to build up a cover that will you know, will really pop by the time I'm finished designing it. Are you able to, to put a time, an average time, on how long it takes to create a cover? Are they, is no cover the same? Are they all just completely different? They're all usually different. I mean, and a lot of the time I'll be working on several at the same time. So, um, you know, it, it really depends. And some will take weeks because um, if I have to go back and change things or I'll show them to... Uh, an author. Sometimes I will get it right first time. Sometimes I will show it to a client, and and they'll say, you know, can you change this? Or I was thinking more this, you know, and I might have to do changes. And so all throughout the day, really, I'm working on lots of different covers at the same time and making tweaks, and then sending them to the client to to let them see what it's, you know, see if they like it. And sometimes I'm lucky enough to get it, you know, hit it straight out of the park first time. And, uh, you know, touch wood. And other times it's a process back and forward. Maybe I, I don't get it right on the first cover and I have to go back and, and redo or change things. Or maybe, you know, if it's a communication thing, maybe, you know, like some cultures are different. Like I'm in the UK. So if I get an American client, I work with a lot of American clients, but sometimes they might say something that I might have misinterpreted and I might have run down the wrong, you know, route. Um, but, you know, I say to people, you know, there's unlimited changes, so you don't have to worry about that. You know, I'm here for you to do those changes. And that's, you know, I think it's fair for the author because they put so much time into their writing their, their book. I don't know. I can't write, you know, so I don't know how they, they put pen to paper and write. And they've taken so long to do that. You know, I, I feel it would be a disservice if I just stopped, you know, and said, you know, that's it, I can't do anymore. So I try and do as much as I can, you know, to reach a, a good resolution for, for every client. I think one of the remarkable things that you offer, actually, and, and, and in my experience so far, you're unique in this, is the fact that you offer no limit to the rounds of changes that you can have. Normally, it's capped at three or something like that with the revisions. And, um, you know, if the design artist gets it wrong first time, then you're burning through your revisions fairly quickly. That's quite a brave thing to offer, I, I feel. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. It's it's. Um, I think the thing is that I can usually avoid doing too many, uh, you know, like more than say ten changes because um, I try to get as much information as I can up front. So really, the process 
it's the most important bit of the process is to start where I'm speaking to the client and asking them to, you know, to communicate all this information to me. And if they can do that and try to, you know, tell me as much what's in their head as possible about the book and the feeling that they have for for the book. And then if I can interpret that, then that's the most important bit because then, then if I can get that right, that usually means that um, by the time I show them the cover, it's right. You know, 90% of the time, it's right first time. And there might be small tweaks. And sometimes the tweaks are, um, you know, just preference. So the person might maybe not like a particular typeface, but it might be just for a preference reason. I might say to them, well, I would advise not to change that typeface because of this, you know, because it's good in your genre to, you know, to look like this. So if we change the typeface, it may not look right. And sometimes people ask for changes and I will do a change. And I kind of know that once I've done the change, they'll say, oh, no, I like the first one better, you know, because they didn't know what the second one looked like. Mm -hmm. So, but I had to change it for them anyway, because, you know, they're not an artist, so I can understand, you know, that they don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but once I do it, they say, oh, yeah, that's, that's confirmed, you know, in my mind that the first one was the better one. You know, usually that's what happens. Can I ask you about um, images that you use in the book covers? One of the things I'm hypersensitive about whenever I use, you know, outsourcing services is that the images have been sourced correctly and that the copyright levels are correct. Now, I, I know uh, that, that you do this and you, you take this very seriously. Just talk me through what you have to look at when you're getting cover images and the, the sort of usage rights that you need for those. Well, if you're getting cover images, um, you, you need to make sure that you uh, are getting the license that allows you to use an image on a book cover and sell that book cover because some uh, uh, websites where you can get images, a lot of people will show me images and then they're not aware that you can't just take an image from Google and use it on your book cover. So I will get some clients will ask me and they say, well, I found these images. Can you use these? And I say, no, you, you can't use any images you find on Google because, you know, somebody owns those images or somebody has created those images and that's not legal. So um, you have to source images from a reputable um, stock uh, library and make sure that the license is, um, the wording of the license says that you can use it on a book cover. And somebody like Shutterstock is, is a you know, well-known one. Um, their license is for uh, half a million um, units sold, and that is usually sufficient for most um, self-published authors so it means you can use that image legally on your book cover up to half a million pieces sold right okay because i know that um I, you know i i delved into this a little bit and i know when i i get images say for my blog they're very small images they're cheap and the licensing is very simple but the minute you start needing mm. to reproduce Im or images or covers many times the licensing gets stricter so you, you do need to take care with this, don't you? Because you can land yourself in deep water, I think, if you don't get it right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think people don't realize that, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of clever uh, bots and, you know, Google searching. Uh, they have image search facilities that will, you know, will, will find if you've used that uh, image illegally. So, you know, I wouldn't take any chances with that. I mean, it's, if you come to somebody like us, you know, uh, um, 
I make sure that all them all the images are legal and above board and we buy all our images and we have a a record of every image we buy and every client we use it for so for the future so if anybody came back and said oh this image wasn't used correctly we can show proof you know where it was purchased and and so i think you have to cover yourself like that um i think you you know you do justice to your own, own writing if you you know, do the right thing and, and get your cover as professional as possible. And because it really helps, you know, the, the viewer, the person who's looking at that say, well, this is a professional product because it looks professional on the outside. So the writing must be really good on the inside. And this is one of the things that a, a lot of authors do is they spend so much time on the writing and then maybe neglect the cover. And it's kind of, it does a disservice to their, to their good writing. So I would advise people to get as professional a cover as possible, you know, put some budget away to to get a really good cover. And then that should pay for itself because in increased sales. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and actually the old saying that you judge a book by its cover is absolutely true. I don't think uh, if you've got a rubbishy cover, and I see so many uh, self-published authors using the cover maker that Amazon provides either in CreateSpace or Kindle, and well, you must win. So I, I do, and I'm not even a designer because you can spot them a mile <laughs> off, can't you? Those covers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I wrote down a, a four or five little things on this text document that I was telling you about that uh, I think authors should not do. So I, if you don't mind, I can no. go through these. Um, a lot of people try to show uh, a scene on the cover, so I say don't try to represent everything about your story on your cover. Don't try to show a scene if you can. Um, because some people will say, well, I've got a scene where there's three horses and five men in the foreground and three people in the background on a road, and, and there's too many things going on, and then it gets so confusing that the person who's looking at the at the book doesn't really know, you know, what is this book about in a split second? You know, they, they will judge that cover in a split second. So uh, that's one thing. Um, a lot of people say that they want the title at the top, a picture in the middle, and a name at the bottom. And that sometimes is a mistake as well because a lot of the best-selling um, books you see will have, you know, the the name or the title in the middle or middle to, to bottom section and then an image more at the top. And this is all to do with the graphic balance of the cover. So that it 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 um, excites your eye when you when you look at it. I think people ask for a title at the top, picture in the middle, and name at the bottom. It kind of goes back to their school days, you know, when they were told to write the name of the thing at the top and write the name at the bottom. I think that's where, you know, they, where they get it from. So I say to people, usually that's the wrong approach. Usually it's either or, you know, you either have a top heavy cover or bottom heavy cover. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is fixating on details as well. A lot of people delay their book, launching their book just to get it right. And there is no just right, really, because you We'll see even people like Stephen King over the years will have changed their cover for um, different uh, books or the same book, sorry, over different times. So uh, a particular uh, book might have, you know, one cover 10 years ago and they might have updated that cover now. So there is no right cover really. So I, I would advise people to get the best cover you can and then launch their book as quickly as you can so you to get feedback from the readers really getting the book out onto the marketplace and into amazon is the best thing that people can do um also um asking sometimes people ask their friends 
guests for opinions on their book covers. And most people will, will just tell you what you want to hear. So they're not necessarily a good judge uh, of uh, uh, a cover. The best judge really are the people who are handing over their money on Amazon you know, for your book. So I would advise people maybe to get a really good cover and then test it on Amazon because they can always change the cover later on, but just test it to see if people are buying. And that's a better way of doing it rather than asking your friends, do you think this is a good cover? Because your friends will probably want to be polite to you and just tell you what you want to hear. So, Where do you draw the line with your unlimited revisions? If, for instance, I got a cover off you and I, I popped it on Amazon and then changed my mind, do you, you must have a sign-off point, don't you, with this? Um, I, I don't really. I, I've had people come back to me a couple of years later, and most people are very polite, though. I think most people don't abuse. I mean, they, you know, they've... they've uh, uh, you know, they've had the wherewithal and, you know, the intelligence to write a book in the first place. So most people are fine and they, you know, if they say they change their mind, you know, then we can talk about it then. But most people, uh, I haven't had that happen to me ever, so... Uh well, that's good. Excellent. I'm pleased to hear that. Because I, I know when you did my covers, I was very keen to say, you know, that, that's it. I'm done now. If, if I want anything else to do it, I'll pay you for it. You know, because I've, I've been in that position before where people keep saying, oh, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And by the time you're done, there's, there's no money or profit in the deal. Um, and, you know, I think you have, you, you have to be careful when you're offering a yeah. service like that, just in case people do take the mickey. But, I mean, you're lucky. You sound like you've got a great audience then for that or a great, uh, great customer. <laughs> well, I'm touching the table now, so touch wood. <laughs> yeah, well, I, long may it continue then. Uh, so, with back to book covers, one of the things I really appreciated about what you did with me is that when you gave me, I got uh, three covers off you. I think initially I got a Kindle and uh, a paperback cover, and then later I came back to you and separately ordered Audible covers. Now, when we came to the, um, the Create Space cover, I had no experience of this at the time, and, and so I uploaded the cover. And then when I got printed copies i sent you a photograph of it i think um the it, it didn't quite align and i i hadn't got a clue i think i had to supply you with the number of the page numbers i think i had to give you how many pages there were in it mm-hmm. and you um and i was very grateful for this you know you took care of this for me and, and we got that sorted out we messed around a bit and it looked you know it looks great now um how much sort of toing and froing is there with this process it must be quite difficult for you sometimes to get that you know perfectly right well, usually I ask people to, I show them a design when it's finished and I will say to them, have you got the page count for, if they're using CreateSpace, I'll say, have you got the page count for your final um, edit? So basically when they've finished all their editing and they've uploaded their interior of their book to CreateSpace, CreateSpace, once you've saved your book in there, they will display to you in your CreateSpace dashboard uh, a page number. So they will say your book comes to... 241 pages and that's the number i need after i finish a book cover so i will say um i'll say to the client upload your interior find out what your the number of pages is that create space tells you and give that number to me and then what i do is i go into create space and i download um a template for that exact size so i know that the the, the actual blank template that has the correct size spine is there and then I, I bring in my design over the top of that and I line it all up so the spine is exactly correct. So then when I send the final design to the client, it's exactly millimetrically correct. So, and sometimes 
create space. They have a tolerance. So sometimes they will print slightly one way or the other, and the margin might uh, the margin on the spine might move slightly one way or the other. But I try to get it exact as I, as I can, and um, it, it usually works out fine. But that's the best way of doing it is to get the final page count from CreateSpace, and then I can actually make a template that is exact size. So then when I send the, the finished article to them, everything is fine. And while you're mentioning that then, can I ask you to explain what a, a bleed area is? Because this is something that comes up quite often with CreateSpace. Uh, a bleed area is basically the section around the edge where the the paper when it's printed, so the cover when it's printed in the factory, um, will have uh, an edge edge that's slightly bigger than the size of the book and the bleed will be the design will go off the edge of uh, the book so the book in its raw form or the cover in its raw form will be slightly bigger than the finished article and what they do is they bring a cutter in and they cut the book to the right size and the cutter will go along the bleed line which is uh, that the very edge of the book and if you have a book that the design goes right to the edge edge that will be that will bleed right off the edge so that's how so i make the design slightly bigger and then when it's cut in the factory you get a nice sharp clean edge with your design right up to the edge and so that's what a bleed is brilliant what are the challenges between uh covers book covers paperback book covers kindles and audible you made all three for me they're all different shapes and sizes and you know the different requirements in terms of display what challenges does that give you um, usually Kindle and uh, paperback are pretty much the same um, because they both uh, are purchased, uh, well, mainly online. So um, they'll both display at the same size uh, on Amazon. So if you flick between a Kindle and a paperback, you'll see the exact same size. Um, when you click on the paperback, obviously you'll see a back cover, a small picture of a back cover, which you can click on as well. Um, so that's pretty much the same in terms of requirements for or the thumbnail. Um, for the Audible cover, um, there's a few technical requirements to do with having the author's name in the actual file name that, that you upload to Audible. So when I send the, the cover for Audible to the client, it usually has to have their name or their book name in the actual name of the file. Um, I think it's a JPEG file. And they usually have to be a little bit bigger as well, just because because the, the thumbnail for uh, Audible is so small. Um, but that's really the only difference between the two. It's a real skill, isn't it? And, and the other thing, of course, that you've got to achieve with thumbnails is you, you've, you've got to, at very small size, be able to read the title or get a feel for it and, and see the image. Um, you know, it must be a lot harder than it was when you were just doing book covers before they all went online. Yeah, I think that um, it depends also on the, uh, the genre really as well because some even of the the best-selling books uh some of the titles are, are probably smaller than they need to be you know if it's uh maybe chiclet you know where you see the the title is very spidery type of write, writing so it's not necessarily as strong as uh say the title of your book which is kind of a short punchy title which you can make bigger so you can make it as big as possible on the on the thumbnail uh, also you've got to balance really the difference between the thumbnail 
and the actual book when people get it because you don't want the the title to be so big that it goes up too close to the edge of the book for for production process really like going back to the bleed if if the title is too near the edge your book cover will probably be rejected by create space because it would like you to get cut off around the edges when they actually cut the book to size so you've got to have a balancing act between making the title and the information readable uh, but not also not making it too big. If you make it too big, sometimes it can look a bit too amateurish as well. It's like you're trying to shout at the <laughs> at mm. the reader, you know. It's like yes. buy my book, you know. It's like <laughs> one of the um, things that I did with my um, secret bunker books was, um, and, and you know, this is all experimentation on my part. I also uh, uploaded them to Ingram Spark when I was experimenting with whether I could put them in in bookshops, um, and for various reasons, I didn't pursue that because you can't make any money on it, but. Your covers worked fine with Ingram Spark. Are you aware of there being any differences from your point of view as a designer between what you would present to Ingram Spark and to CreateSpace? No, I think it's pretty much the same. Uh, I think Ingram Spark, uh, I think it's a PDF for, uh, for, for most printers, really, even people who get their book printed outside these main kind of main stable printers if they go to a local printer some people can get good deals you know if they just want to print out 100 copies for their families and friends you know some people do memoirs and they don't really they're not really interested in putting their book online they might just want to write a book and get it into the hands of all their family um sometimes they can uh, go to a local printer and get it and it's usually a pdf um full uh, front spine and back um, cover that they it can give to the printer and that will produce the best result. It's the highest resolution PDF um, and they, they're usually much the same. The only difference between different printers is sometimes uh, the size and the specs to do with the spines and how they do business. So some printers will like the front and the back and the spine to be separate images sent through. Some want it all in one. Um, there's a few little things like that. I usually ask a client if they if they're working with a different printer that I'm not familiar with. I'll say, can you send me the the specs, you know, from their printer, and I'll have a look at the specs. Usually, a printer will have a PDF document that can send or a JPEG that can send to you with all their specs on there, and they will say, this is how we need our cover sent to us, so we can print it off for you, and um, all the information is on that spec, and then I can read that, and usually. It, it's usually like jargon to the author. A lot of authors will say, I don't even know what it says, but I was hoping you know what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, I will read it and I'll say, yeah, it all looks fine. It's usually pretty standard. Brilliant. And I want to know your opinion on gloss and matte covers, because I, I got my secret bug ones in both versions. I think I like the gloss ones personally better. But from a, a designer's point of view, do you think there is a, a stronger one to use in terms of presentation? No, I don't think so. I've I've got a, quite a lot of, uh, around me here. I've got a, a lot of shelves with my clients' uh, book covers on the shelves, and, and I've got various. Some are gloss, some are matte. Um, it really depends um, on your preference. Some covers that are let me have a look. Some covers that are um, maybe have brighter colours will work better in a gloss because a gloss tends to bring out bright colours better. Um, and darker ones usually look quite good in matte because it gives the black a very kind of nice finish. So if there's very you know dark areas in the cover, matte sometimes can work really 
well. It gives it a kind of a, a lovely uh, depth to the cover. But I think it's down to personal preference, really. I don't think people should fixate too much over that because that's not likely to put people off buying the book, particularly online, because the people don't even know what the if it's gloss or matte until they actually get the book sent to them. Um, so I, I say to most people, it's usually personal preference. You can always order a proof one way or the other from CreateSpace. They will let you order a proof copy in matte or or gloss and then decide for yourself which you which you like yourself. So, um, But uh, most of the time, it, it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, to the person ordering online, they just see the thumbnail and they decide from on the image and the look inside and the description whether they want to buy your book and of course the joys of self-publishing is you just change it if you don't like it you're not committed to a print run of 10,000 are you so it's, it's easily changed I guess that that's means. right <laughs> that's right I think people are very daunted by the process some people are like oh my god I have to get this all it has to be exactly right for first time or the sky will fall in you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and they spend a long time doing it and I say you know like is if the writing is really good and you have no spelling mistakes inside and it's formatted nicely inside um you know and you have a nice cover then the best thing to do is try to get it out there as soon as possible and keep writing and 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 let people give you feedback and they they will tell you you know if they really love the book or not and i think a lot of people who are creative like i can imagine this with filmmakers you know who um i think they said stanley kubrick when he deliberated over uh, his movies for so long, editing them. He used to take years to edit them. And I think, um, um, I don't know if the, the person who watches the movie in the end will necessarily appreciate all the work that he put into it. Sometimes it's better to get it out um, in as best as you can do and then get feedback. Because as you exactly say, with CreateSpace particularly, you can go in, log in onto your CreateSpace account and change anything at any time. So you can change spelling mistakes takes inside you can change swap out a cover you can change it to gloss on that so it's really flexible compared to the way it used to be in the old days you know when people had to commit to a print run of like fifty thousand books if there was a mistake they had fifty thousand mistakes um i think it's so much more flexible now i noticed reading through your website again that you actually can provide extra graphics like you know twitter logos and things like that um how much demand do you get for that and what, what can you actually offer in that area um, yeah, I do uh, graphics to match people's books. So after they're finished with their um, you know, their cover and they put it on Amazon, a lot of people come back to me and they say, well, I want to put up a Facebook page and I want my Facebook page to be branded uh, to match my book uh, or I want my Twitter uh, you know, feed to or Twitter header to be branded the same to match my book. So I will do um, branding to, to match that. Basically, I will take... Um, make it match exactly. So I'll have the background and I'll have their their uh, book uh, featured on there and um, maybe the title and their name and I'll fit it all in around the the spec that um, for the correct size for Twitter and for Facebook because on Facebook page you have a, a profile picture on the left so you have a little notch that's kind of uh, out of the actual image so you want to make sure that you don't uh, put anything in that area or your the the profile picture will overlay that. And you'll see a lot of people who, who try to do it themselves. They will kind of, it, w- it won't look very good. So it has to be all fitted in so that it actually fits in your Facebook uh, header correctly and your Twitter header. And usually those things go a long way towards kind of um, giving people a sense 
of you know your writing and how professional you are. So when you go to somebody's Facebook page and they say they're an author, and on the header, header it's you've got their books featured, and you can see there, you know, all the the posts that they've done on Facebook and what they've told people about their writing process, and and they put pictures of the books on there, or maybe pictures of their writing, or or they're talking about their editing process. Anything like that really helps, you know, uh, connect with the final reader because people feel that they're a bit more invested in the in the author. Then, you know, they've they've followed the author all through the process. Um, so I think that's a great way of, of getting some exposure for your book. Many people are they they skimp on the cover, thinking, "Oh, this is something I could do myself. I could knock it up in, you know, one of these." cheap software systems and they they view it as a way of saving money my my personal experience is is that the if i if i pay the price for a decent designer and i include you know i, I include you in that um then <laughs> i get a better job it's, it's as simple as that you know if i pay the right price for a proper designer who knows what they're doing i get the full service if i skimp i don't what would you say to people who are who are considering skimping on the covers uh ex- Exactly what you just said. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned my lesson. <laughs> I would say um, I would say the better thing to do is to put some budget aside for uh, for your book. I mean, if you're serious about going into writing, you know, you want to really represent yourself as as best as possible, and you want to represent your writing as best as possible. And the best way to do that is to get a professional design. And the designer will know exactly how to do, do that for you. And I think, um, I think it's you imagine going along to an interview and not wearing a nice shirt or a nice clothes. You know, you would invest in a, a nice shirt or nice clothes because you would say, well, it's worth you know getting this nice shirt so I can look my best, so I can represent myself to to the best. So that's what I would advise. I would say to people, maybe save up. I've had people actually do. Um, Kickstarter campaigns very successfully for uh, funding their book, and um, they can put a Kickstarter campaign on, and they can say, you know, I'm writing my book. It's going to be out in six months' time, but I need help, you know, with um, all the marketing. And if you back this Kickstarter campaign, you know, you will get X number of copies of my book, or I will sign the copies, or whatever it is. And that's very successful. A lot of people love to do that, love to back their friends or even people that they find online. They say, I can connect with this person. I want to help them. And Kickstarter has been very successful uh, doing that because, I don't know, I think it's like, a, it's, it's like a social thing. People just want to see other people do well. And that can be very good for authors who maybe don't have the budget right now to, uh, to get the funds together. Um, so I've seen that work really well. I think I've learned two two tricks from this. Number one is don't skimp on the covers. Number two is don't skimp on the editing. They're just two things that I think you have to take it on the chin and you know yeah. and, and pay for somebody uh, decent to do. And um, I, I'm I, you know I still look at my I think it's about maybe two years ago that you did my secret bunkers. Now I can't remember, but um, I, you know I constantly look at those and think they would look great on a Waterstones bookshelf. They are <laughs> you know top quality covers everything's lined beautifully and i'm you know i'm really fussy about this kind of stuff really ocd about this everything beautifully aligns on the shelf and it really is worth i think you know just getting somebody who knows about that stuff and gets it right for you it'd be very annoying if it's not quite right yeah well how i feel is i 
I feel that uh, you shouldn't be able to tell the difference between a design that I do. If you brought your book to Waterstones or to a big bookstore, say for people who are listening in America, uh, uh, you know, Barnes and Noble, and you put your book alongside uh, a book that's in there, you shouldn't be able to tell the difference between your self-published book and uh, a mainstream published book. Uh, that's really the goal: is to try and get the, you know, the look of it so professional that you would you would never know the difference. We're nearly out of time, Peter. Could you just give us any last tips, you know, for aspiring authors who are thinking of, of getting covers done? Any tips and pointers in terms of getting started, you know, and finding somebody like you who's going to do a good job? What should we be looking for? I would say uh, leave enough time for your cover to be created. So when you finished your book or really before you finished your book, uh, try to contact a designer um, in plenty of time because most good designers are booked up in advance uh, I get people all the time saying to me um, you know I love what you do but I want my cover in two weeks time or I want my cover on Tuesday mm. <laughs> and I say I say, well I'm completely booked up so I can't do it on, on Tuesday if you do come to me a few months beforehand uh, you know um, it's much better to leave yourself plenty of time so I would say about halfway through your book try to think about the cover a little bit earlier don't wait till it's completely finished. And because you can all, it doesn't have to be finished for you to brief a book cover designer. You can say, this is the feeling I have for the book. This is how the story's going. You know, you're pretty much sure that the whole story is going to be like this. So that's enough information probably to brief the book cover designer. It doesn't have to be finished or edited. And then you can get them working on it at the same time as that you're finishing. And then you have it in plenty of time. Also, the thing is, you, you can have your cover early so that you can then market. Uh, your book in advance of it coming out so you can go out on twitter or on facebook and you say here's a sneak peek of my upcoming book it won't be coming out for um, another month and he put here's what the cover looks like and you can get a free chapter here or things like that so you can market your book um to people before it actually comes out and build some anticipation this is what the movie industry does all the time so they they have you know the born born identity films uh, are out now, but they trailered them, you know, eight weeks ago, you know, 12 weeks ago, they, they put out a little snippet and they get the excitement up. So people, when it, when it does get released, they want to actually buy. So that's one thing I would say, come to the designer with plenty of time. Try to give them as much information as you as you, you can about uh, the synopsis and what your likes and dislikes are. And, and then kind of trust in them, trust in their ability and um, and you shouldn't go wrong. Those are really great tips. Thank you very much for that. How how do we find you online? Check out your services and your website and admire that amazing collection of testimonials that you've got. Bespokebookcovers.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everything's on there, so you can you can have a look around and contact me through there and I'll be happy to help anybody. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.